Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is February 19th, 2024. It is Monday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Weed Witch's Journal. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, a person learns how to love himself through the simple acts of loving and being loved by someone else. Haruki Murakami. So we're talking about herbs uh, right now, and we're kind of focusing on herbs that I feel like are magically potent that we kind of see around, but that maybe we don't come across often in like teas or cooking and things like that. And one I wanted to touch on uh, particularly is catnip. So, yeah, I kind of first came across catnip in a magical way when doing a spell with one of my much older witch mentors back when I was a very young uh, 20-year-old witch. And when doing a spell, a friend of mine were focusing on homes, and she was focusing on having a safe home, and she happened to have a cat, so she added catnip. So I wanted to talk about catnip. So today we're talking about the history. So this comes to us from dagiana.com and we're talking about the history of catnip. So although there is no documented evidence, it is highly likely that ancient Egyptians, given their love of cats, were some of the first to give catnip to felines. Catnip has long been highly regarded as a herbal medicine and was used all the way back in medieval times. Catnip was also used in cooking. It was brought to America in the 1800s from plant-cutting settlers who brought it with them, and indigenous people also began incorporating catnip into their foods and medicine therapies after being introduced to the plant themselves. So while historically and most recently there have been incidences and anecdotes of humans smoking catnip, most evidence suggests that while catnip trips out our furry feline companions, it doesn't do much to humans. So that might not be getting you what you're intending. So the most common use for catnips for humans these days is in tea form. Many tea and herbal companies sell teas either with catnip mix-in or just straight. And catnip tea is purported to be useful as a stress reliever, menstrual aid, relieving flu, cold symptoms, a decongestant, and digestive aid. How neat. All right, witches. Moving into some headlines. This comes to us from rockpapershotgun.com, which is a PC gaming site. And this is oh, interesting. This is a visual novel. And... It is occult mysteries and sapphic yearnings abound in Long Live the Queen, which is a visual novel. 
So Night Cascade is on sale. The stream notification informed the writer last week. And they basically said, I didn't remember adding it to my wish list. And honestly, I didn't remember what it was. Still, a visual novel about lesbians solving occult mysteries. Oh, and it's made by the studio behind RPS's favorite Long Live the Queen in Black Closet for under $5. Having now played it, yeah, I'm happy with the spooky investigation and clueless yearning that I got for a fiver. So that's really neat. If you're a game, I might actually check this out. So I've been wanting to get more into gaming because I currently really only play like time management games because I really enjoy them. I love like the dash games and things like that. Uh, but I could get down with um, lesbians solving occult crimes. So, you know, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to check this out. And I'm going to report back. Okay. I'm going to let you know if I think this is a fun time. And I'm not like a huge gamer, so my expectations are probably pretty low. All right. I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondents. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Monday, February 19th. The waxing gibbous moon continues to hug its pillow in Cancer today. Here, the moon trines Saturn. We're ready to go to work today. Get some points on the board. If you have a project that you've been keeping on the back burner, today is the day to get into it. We have both the drive and the determination to see it through. The trine is in water signs, so make sure to leave room for creative solutions. Water trines work better when you're cognizant of your emotional state, so take care of yourself, stay positive, and you should be able to get the most out of this day. Your daily moon mantra is, self-care is not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Interested in taking your weed witchery to the next level or wanting to get started? The Weed Witch's Journal by author Carrie Connor blends the worlds of cannabis and magic together to help you document, explore, and expand your daily practices. Dig deeper into yourself with intuitive insights, mystical visions, shadow work, or connect to nature for starters. Want to explore your creativity? Dive in with My Vibe, Inspirational Ink, and the Flower Power activities. Looking to practice your skills? Get attuned with pendulum work and one card reading. Plus, document your practices with full moon, new moon, spell tracker, ritual tracker, and more. Order the Weed Witch's Journal now from your favorite bookshop or wherever books are sold. All right, witches. So last week was Valentine's Day, and we talked about it quite a bit. We talked about the day, Lupercalia, St. Valentine. We really went all in. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not someone who has big feelings around Valentine's Day. I never have. I just think where I grew up, it wasn't a big deal either way. It just wasn't a big part of my life. So because of that, I don't have big feelings. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It just exists, you know? Um... But something I do like to do is Valentine's Day, or sometimes I call it Palentine's Day, which is essentially the day of pals or and gals. And I really like celebrating my friends. And so sure enough, last week I sent texts to all of my close friends just telling them how much I love them and how grateful I am that they're in my life. Now, of course, we don't just focus on the other people in our lives, right? We have to also focus on ourselves. 
So this week, we're doing a series on self-love. And we're going to look at it from quite a different, a a few different perspectives. We're going to go over some information, how it's helpful to our magic, and exercises you can do every day this week to try to uh, improve your self-love. So before we get started, I'm going to share the resources I'll be using. I'm using betterup.com, forbes.com, and wondermind.com. I tried to look for uh, resources that were either written or peer-reviewed by therapists so that I'm giving quality information. Now, today we're going to talk about stress and resilience, okay? Why is this important? Well, when we feel stress, we typically don't feel capable of handling other challenges, right? So when you are feeling flustered and then someone goes, um, mom, I broke, you know, the toilet seat, or I don't freaking know. I stood on the toilet seat like a year ago and broke it. So I feel like that could happen to children. If it can happen to me, a grown adult from standing on it, bad move. Uh, it can happen to kids. Anyways. So normally that wouldn't be a big deal, right? Like you get a new one from the store for like $15. It's two seconds to replace it. It normally wouldn't be a big deal. But if you're flustered and upset and you had a bad day at work, suddenly that feels monumental, right? So that's what we talk about when we talk about resilience. Resilience is our ability to handle the challenges and stress that come at us. And when we're feeling stressed, it's really hard to handle those challenges. If you got a new year reading from me, you've likely heard me mention uh, something along the lines of resilience. If I see in a reading that I think you're going to be going through a hard time, I really try to give you a heads up a few months earlier to try to remove as many little stresses from your life during that time as possible so that when this big challenge comes up, your like nervous system isn't overran by these little stressors, you know? I usually say uh, past you helping future you. That's kind of how I tend to go about it. So when you have a strong sense of self-love, you're better able to tackle challenges negative feelings and critical thoughts that can often kind of compound. And it's also easier to problem solve when you're just in a good headspace. So self-love and self-compassion are directly linked. When we have a high sense of self-love, we're able to look at challenges as just like annoying little setbacks, you know, or even opportunities for a challenge. Like, oh, you know, I definitely feel that way sometimes. And this attitude can help us become uh, become more resilient, right? If we're focused on how wrong everything's going all the time, then everything's going to feel bad, negative, and wrong. But if we can try to pull ourselves out of that, which I know can be hard, if we can try to pull ourselves out of that, then little things that could kind of swing either way, positive or negative, we're maybe more likely to swing it more positive. So BetterUp did research and found that coaching can actually help improve self-compassion by over 60%. So if you feel like it's something you can't do alone and you have the means to maybe reach out to a therapist or a counselor, it could be a good, uh, you know, a good idea. So not only does self-compassion and by extension self-love help us bounce back better, it keeps us mentally fit. More than 1,000 research studies have linked self-compassion to reduced uh, psychopathy and improved well-being. Now, what if you're like, Tanya, I think my self-love's good. I don't know. Is there like a scale I can look at to determine my self-love 
pup because I don't freaking know. And honestly, same. If you if you were like, do you love yourself? I'd be like, I, I think so. I think I'm not sure. So, what are some signs we can look at if maybe we're lacking in self love? So, I'm going to read a list of ten things, and these are signs that you might be struggling in the self love department. One uh, number one, perfectionism and feel fear of failure. So if you're constantly worried you're not going to be good enough or do well enough, that could be a sign that your self-love isn't doing great. Next, avoidance of self-care and neglect of personal needs. This is a big one, right? Not eating. Even if you're hungry. Um, not taking a shower, even if you really feel like you need one. I know that I tend to do this to myself when I'm stressed out. If I'm really anxious and stressed out, I completely shut down all of my per like personal care needs. And it can sometimes almost feel like a form of self-punishment, you know? So if you're doing that, that could be a sign as well. One, tolerating toxic or abusive relationships. This could be another sign. Difficulty saying no and overcommitting, right? Clearly, if you're struggling to say no and you're overcommitting, this could demonstrate a need to feel useful and worthy, which means you don't feel useful and don't feel worthy. And that's an indicator of maybe an issue with uh, self-love. Comparing oneself unfavorably to others. Oof. Yes. If you've ever referred to yourself as like a poor man's someone else, not a good sign. Not a good sign. Uh, difficulty setting and maintaining healthy boundaries, seeking external validation and approval excessively. That kind of relates to the difficulty saying no and overcommitting, right? We need other people to tell us we're good because we don't believe we're good enough. Engaging in self-sabotaging behaviors. I think we kind of know what this looks like, right? Doing things you know aren't good for you, doing things you know that can hurt you. Chronic feelings of inadequacy or low self-esteem. Kind of classic of what we would think about when we think about self-love or lack of. So those are kind of the signs, right? And if you see that and you're like, oh, I definitely kind of feel like I've been struggling there. But you know what? I'm doing my best. And what does this have to do with the witchy podcast, Tanya? Isn't that what you're supposed to be here for? I didn't come here for this. Well, let me tell you. It's important. Okay. If, if we look at these signs, right, think of fear of failure, avoidance of self-care, be, uh, being in abusive relationships, overcommitting, comparing yourself unfavorably to others. Is that someone you think whose magic is doing well? Yeah. You know, so these things do affect our magic. If we don't believe in ourselves, if we don't like ourselves, if we uh, hurt ourselves or punish ourselves, how can we have any belief that we're powerful, magical beings, right? To me, in my opinion, self-esteem is directly linked to magical power because you have to believe you have power for your power to be powerful, for lack of vocabulary. <laughs> So this is why I'm doing this series this week, because it does matter. It does matter. Only when you believe you are powerful will you be powerful. If you doubt yourself, if you're anxious, if you're 
And when I say anxious, I mean anxious over your magic, over your self-esteem, over your power. Then you're really going to struggle to focus your mind on those things. Like when we're talking about resilience and stress, right? If your resilience is so tanked that, you know, your child breaking the toilet seat sets you off, do you have the mental resilience to complete a ritual or spell effectively? You know what I mean? So let's try some exercises. I'm going to give you a few things to possibly try today. Okay. One, this is an exercise called Know Thyself. In truth, there's nothing wrong with bath bombs and scented candles. Everyone knows I love them. Uh, me time is chef's kiss. I love being alone and I love a candle. So the problem is that is not the epitome of self-care. That's just nice. It's nice. That's romanticizing our lives. That's just having a nice time. But it's not going to heal our ourselves, you know? The challenge is that we might start thinking that this is the important self-care, but true self-care and self-love is about making investments in yourself, and it has nothing to do with how aesthetic your bathroom is by pouring cranberries into your bathtub. I saw that on TikTok. Don't put food in your bath. You're going to mess up like your pH balances. <laughs> Don't do that. So. Think of getting to know yourself like starting a new relationship. Whether you were making a friend, dating, or even taking care of a new house plant, there would be a learning curve. You might ask questions, make notes, figure out what works, what doesn't, try new things. You would be curious or engaged in learning to nurture this new relationship. So this sense of curious engagement is a great foundation for learning to love yourself. Start a journal. Take up a new hobby. Take yourself on a date. You guys know I love to do that. When you start spending time learning about yourself and what you love to do, you'll likely find yourself pretty freaking awesome. You know, I, for one, love spending time with me because I think I'm a blast. You know, when I spend time with me, I get to make crafts, watch Charmed, and play The Sims. I'm a good time. So you have to. I love this idea of like dating yourself. I think it's really sweet and I think it's healthy and I think it's going to lead to a very um, grounded mindset. Mindful mindset is what I meant. So yeah, consider keeping a gratitude journal. A big part of self-love is staying present. It's easy to get swept up in planning for the future or thinking about what you could have differently. Dr. Azar explains that dwelling over things out of your control can raise feelings of hopelessness, stress, and anxiety. Maintaining a gratitude journal can help keeping you grounded by reminding yourself of what you have to feel thankful for right now. This, I think, is really important in the climate we're in. When the world feels too scary and too much and too heavy and too hopeless, which I'm going to be honest, those are feelings I've been having, you know? When it feels that way, it can be way too easy to want to give up. And I love this idea of keeping a gratitude journal simply to have something to hang on to when world events feel like a whirlwind. Something else you can do is to get to know your big emotions, right? So we touched on a few things right now, dating yourself, a gratitude journal, and now we're talking about getting to know your big emotions. 
Self-love means paying attention to your feelings rather than dismissing or minimizing them. One tool you can use is journaling because you can pinpoint what's truly going on in your head and figure out how you can best care for yourself and those emotions. When you feel rage, anxiety, envy, or even happiness, let yourself write a free-flowing mess of words or follow journal prompts to learn about what might be causing them and what you need. Maybe you sense rage bubbling up before bed and you don't know why. Journaling could help you realize that while you're angry, it could be because you have work tomorrow and maybe you're unhappy in your job. Underneath that, you're really just upset you don't have time for yourself anymore. So maybe you decide you'll be more intentional with your nightly uh, me time routine. So you kind of see the journey we're going on here. You feel this big emotion. Why? Because I have to go to work. Why does it upset you? Because I've been neglecting myself. Okay, how do we change that? Right? We have a little bit more control over our feelings when we look at them instead of pushing them away. So those are three exercises. Of course, I don't expect you to do all of them. Um, and they're not all going to be for you. So out of the three, try to pick one that sounds good, whether it is journaling big emotions, okay, dating yourself, taking yourself on a date, uh, learning about what you like, what you dislike. Uh, I really think that's a super sweet idea or a gratitude journal. So try to pick one, play with it today and see how you feel. All right, witches. I hope you like that. Um, I think we have a witch win. Oh, no, we don't have a witch win. I asked all of you, what are your biggest hurdles when it comes to self-love or self-love magic? And what are your go-to spells and rituals around love? And you answered. So let's see what everyone said. Nyx said, letting go of control. Yeah. And we talk about control today, right? Control over our feelings, our emotions, or not having control. Mindy says self-love is tough. Understanding to self-forgive is the hardest part. Yeah. And we'll actually talk about this uh, later on this week. Okay. I, uh, Mindy, I'll give you some exercises later this week for this. Lilith said, I had to think about this. Great question. My brain went to two directions, mental issue with it and my occasional physical response. Physically, most of the time I point intent at myself. I've been for healing purposes, so I'm pushing energy into an area and then releasing it almost automatically when I try to do emotional or love intent, where I have no uh, specific target. Most of the time, it shoots my anxiety up. It's like I'm in a big, crowded public area with high emotions. Mentally, historically, on days you feel good, you get as much done as you can. Now I sit there feeling guilty because I feel lazy. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard. I definitely understand that feeling too. I, I, I always feel like I have, to act, I have to be productive, right? And that's not something that is loving to ourselves either. Cassidy said, I realized a few days ago that my biggest obstacle in loving myself is empathy for others. I let it erase my boundaries when self-love would mean to hold them firm. Cassidy, we will talk about this as well later this week. So yeah, these are great responses and I'm so happy to see that a lot of what I'm seeing here is stuff I already have planned to talk about. So I really hope it's helpful. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Molly Higgins. Molly, you fancy wicked sun goddess. 
Sanri, you pretty golden barn owl. Fannin Barnes, you charming, kind garden nymph. And Jennifer DiMucci, you fair, insidious mongoose. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And that's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we talk about can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Bye. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.